what do you think i'm al then i'm c and uh on this episode we're joined by our war movie correspondent jay jay how's it going out there <laughs> that's going pretty good you know that was my new title but sure yeah i'll go yeah. for it I well, am... it makes it makes sense because the auto the audio quality of Jay's microphone definitely makes him seem like a war correspondent. So I like that we're that this is the new lore. I like the, it. the The funny thing is, is that I you know I just was like doing a accusatory a look over our past episodes. Jay is almost in all our war movie reviews. How many war movie reviews have we had? Three with this one. Four. Okay. What are what are they? It's. Top Gun. Top Gun. Devotion. Uh-huh. Devotion. Star Trek kind of counts. It kind of... Uh, and uh, and now this one. All Quiet and, on the Western uh, Front. And Dragon Ball. <laughs> oh, that was a war movie. Yeah, that was a war movie. <laughs> that was a war movie. Totally. It was a 100%. war movie masking as a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I stated earlier, this is our review on the Netflix film... Hailing from Germany, all quiet on the Western Front, and I'm gonna butcher the actual German title, Im Westen nicht Neus, which actually means something totally different. What does um, it mean? Uh, it actually means. Give me one second. I have like the because okay, this started off as a book. Mm-hmm. Um, this started off as a book that came out like. Shoot. 1920s. 1929 was it and also i think this the movie adaptation the original was it the first or second movie to ever be nominated for or to ever win best picture it's uh, one of the second i think but so in western nichinos means nothing new on the west uh, huh. which which is basically like the telegram that would be sent to german high command when there were there was nothing new to report in the sense of like we didn't gain any ground. We didn't lose any ground. Not necessarily that there wasn't a battle, but that mm-hmm. like pretty much all the the fronts had not moved at all. So mm-hmm. so there's there's like a there's like a, a satirical element to it. There's it's like a critique of war in a very German sort of way. But yeah, whatever. Did so, yeah. All quiet on the Western Front. Uh, I'll just get straight to it. Uh, Jay, did you ever read the original book? Or watch the original movie. Uh, I I never read the book. Uh, Steve and I sat down and we attempted to watch the original movie. Um, it being a silent film and uh, it's it's a difficult watch, especially because it's you know was made ninety three years ago. Um, so I've seen, I saw all the important parts of it. I I might have fallen asleep during it. Um, Is it but silent? I, I think so, right? Mm. Maybe not. I don't know. It's, but either it's, way, it was it was a slog. It's close. Yeah. Um I I know the important parts of it, so By the way, uh see to your original statement, it was the first film to win two Academy Awards. Whoa. And it was the second to win best picture, like the second ever, right? I think so, yeah, cuz it came out in 1930. Wow. Damn. Um how about wow, you? You ever yeah. read the book, or well, obviously Jay answered the second question yeah. for you. So actually, I had a yes, I did. We, I was in a. Uh, this is years ago, back when I was uh, actually before high school. I was a part of this book club that was um, 
we would read books that were that were later adapted into movies and we read the book and then I watched the movie afterwards so I was able to compare the two um I will admit I didn't finish the book even though I was a part of the book club I got about halfway through it um I see why the book was big at the time uh I I you know it was I imagine when it came out, it was like reading Saving Private Ryan. That's really the best way I can imagine it because it has, you know, both the both the book, the original movie, and this most recent adaptation have some very, very famous moments that a lot of other various filmmakers, directors, writers reference in some small way. So I can... I can genuinely see why this was so big when it when the book came out and same with the movie because it was you know it wasn't the first war movie but it was the first war movie that really shocked people you know in a lot of ways now by today's standards yes it's it was it's rather slow but its messaging was still very poignant uh, and I can see why yeah so we weren't assigned all quiet on the western front in my when I was in high school but I had a literary textbook that had, um, had that had excerpts from the novel in it. It actually very intentionally only had like the couple of non battlefield excerpts. Um, I guess because you know I was I kind of went to school in the American South, so I guess they didn't want us reading about like because apparently it's very visceral in regards <laughs> to the battle scenes, but. So it was for the, the time, ex- yes. It was the excerpt about the teacher giving the giving the nationalist speech to the protagonist, like their student, their students of his, and he it's basically the section where he gives his speech. And I remember as a kid thinking to myself, like, wow, this guy this guy makes me want to join the army. <laughs> and then the second excerpt was when the protagonist, Paul, is on leave and he's visiting his dying mother. And he's basically totally a different person. It's like, like you can read the, the the PTSD off the page, even though they they didn't call it PTSD at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what happened between this and that that made him pretty much be jealous that his mom was dying? He's like, oh, I wish, mom, I wish I was the one dying and not having to go back. Is pretty much was the was the theme of that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, admittedly, the original movie, they they don't portray it that way. He's very sad in the original movie. So I, re- I remember thinking that's that's really messed up and that it was a movie. And I I tried watching the movie. Like, it was on YouTube for, like, a while when, back in, like, 2011, 2012. I tried watching it, and, you know, it was like, okay, I get – I guess – I see why it was, like, such a big deal um, – you know, it's funny you mentioned it wasn't the first war movie, but it was very explicitly the first anti-war movie. Mm. Um, and I got it, and you know, there was just—I don't—I don't, I don't want to say it wasn't a compelling piece of cinema. There was just other things I was interested. I was—I was really into Akira Kurosawa at the time because he seemed to be the only director, like from like, well, this this was like twenty years before he started making movies, but you know, it was like in the fit I could swallow foreign films in the from the 50s because they were more dynamic and it kind of kind of like remember see when we saw dracula and it was kind of a slog for us but mm-hmm. then we saw the wolfman and we were like really into it just because the the techniques had changed so much they were moving in a much faster pace 
110 i remember that that, yeah. that, that that was kind of my thing with all quiet on the western front i was like this is this is moving a bit too slow for me to pay attention and i totally admit that's a fault on my end but um, but i also think there's a generational thing that none of us can avoid in that sense you know you know, at the end of the day, not that older movies can't work, but, you know, some of them going to the theater, it was understood that you're going to be there for many, many, many hours. You want to get your money's worth. It was a different view then. Yeah. Um, so, Jay, kind of circling back to you. Uh, my first question was pretty straightforward. Like, did you read the book or see the original movie? Now, let me ask you this. I know I, I know both of you guys ha- like spent some time watching a ton of war movies um, and I've, I've kind of have a good idea of what you've seen. Now, let me ask you guys this. Uh, have you guys seen many foreign war movies? Um, I have, actually. Uh, I can't remember the name. There's one where it's like a French special forces movie in Iraq. There's one, uh, The Forgotten Battle on Netflix is a foreign uh, film. Uh, and there's also... Uh, a bridge over the river Kwai is technically a foreign film as well, um, but but also for me, like I watched this version of All Quiet on the Western Front a day after I reread my great grandfather's war diary from uh, World War One. Wow! So so I I <laughs> it was funny like I I told C like the start of the film when they were given dates like oh he's in boot camp right now oh he's here right now. Like I just I knew where he was, whenever they showed dates, um, mm. and and I knew from his firsthand experience what he was going through and what he had to deal with, and so I was kind of relating that to this, and it was pretty spot on, pretty accurate, um, in comparison to, um, uh, and and back to the foreign films, like foreign foreign war films are definitely, for the most part, anti-war. They're not. They're not trying to uh, glorify uh, or honor some big victory or anything. It's it's mostly just like they're there and this war is fucking awful and it's all sad at the end, which I think is appropriate. I think is is pretty poignant to, for a film to do. And and yeah, um, would definitely recommend. Uh, the Forgotten Battle. It's a it's a pretty good one. It's it's in three different languages, um, in English, German, and Dutch. Uh, so it's it's pretty good. So yeah, Jay has answered my follow up question, which was how do foreign films portray yeah. how do these foreign films portray war? So see, I, I go to you. Um, you watch a lot of foreign mm-hmm. war films. So um, there was one foreign war film that really comes to mind, Al, that we both watched. Uh, that I would argue was one of the most traumatizing things I've ever seen in a hot minute. Uh, it's a foreign war film called Come and See. Uh, you, <laughs> yep. f- you know about this yep. movie, Al? Now, I, Al, I want to point out that... Were you? I mean, I saw it with you. Do you mean Jay, if he's seen it? Jay, I don't think uh, he's seen no. it. Okay, okay. No, and Jay, don't. Um, <laughs> so, listen, so... For the longest time, Al, you were like baiting me to watch it with you. Yeah. And I'm like, Al, I know this movie's like notorious because it's notorious for like being the world's only war horror film, as they've called it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's notorious. The director so, never made anything else after yeah. this. And that was by choice. <laughs> it's well, like... didn't didn't JJ make a war horror film? 
Well, uh, the, is oh, it's that like a zombie movie, right? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so let me be. Yeah, sorry. Because right. JJ makes great decisions. He's a smart guy. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> that listen. Uh, that was over. Was that Overlord? Was yeah, that Overlord. Called? That was an interesting. That was fun, but yes, it was still not. Great. It, it, so it, it's the type of this is the type of horror where you're really disturbed. Like, like yeah. you know, there's there's the type of horror where it's kind of thrills. Like you like being scared. That's Overlord. Come and see. You're literally like unnerved, like psychologically unnerved over what you've seen. Yeah, and actually, so Jay was completely right that most foreign war films are anti-war yeah um and the reason i think it makes sense is well when your country was the literal stomping ground you're not gonna love it <laughs> it's i'm being i'm being coy <laughs> here but point. i mean it it's like like your perspective is going to be very different when either it was either the situation where you were just the bystander and it was two sides two opposing sides fighting on your land or it's the you know, you're defending your land, but you're losing. And you're turns out you realize you're... I also think, like, you, you come to accept the horrors of war more when you end up being on the wrong side of it. And I think, you know, that's in not all war, foreign war movies, but a number of them, it ends up being the case. Um, but yes, I would say the best example of a super anti-war uh foreign film has come and see what's messed up is that that movie is beautifully shot like almost fairy tale like but it's so depraved and so horrific that it, it just it i will never see that movie again i've watched it once i've seen it once there are some images that are burned to the back of my head i'm good um but yes i i, I agree with jay that Foreign film, foreign horror movies have a different perspective, and there's there is value to both of them. Like you get, you know, at the end of the day, I love Saving Private Ryan, but I think that's more of a good balance, so to speak. Um, but yeah, you know what I think uh, it is, what I think like the main difference is, uh, for the most part, like the first All Quiet Notwithstanding, for the most part, like foreign foreign war films don't show them coming home. Yeah, they kind of mm. just cut them off at the end of the battle, and like, I like they reflect on that battle and what they just went through, and then it, and that cuts it off there. A lot of war war films, uh, they go home. Uh, if you if you talk about like we were soldiers, he comes home to a happy family, uh, as opposed to uh, what we were talking about earlier. See Hurt Locker, where he comes home, and he he he's just pissed off that there's so many different cereal flavors, yeah. you know, and and. Uh, you know, but like, and that's what we do as Americans. We show them coming home, and we show them back in civilian life. And and earlier films showed them back in happy life, but mm-hmm. now I think since like Hurt Locker and like Jarhead maybe is when it started. Oh yeah, Jarhead uh, definitely started the, that trend. With the more like like lost veteran kind of vibe. Um, yeah. Another good another good foreign film that Netflix did. Um. Is the siege of Jadoville? It's like they're like South Africans or you or Englishmen. I don't know. Oh, Welshmen. I don't know. I've heard heard of Yodoville. Is that what it was? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jadoville. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of this. I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. It's an isolated event, um, and and they're definitely the invaders, so to speak, in this situation. But they still go through it uh, with this one. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so pretty much see, like C said, I saw come and see and kind of to what Jay said, he's right. It's foreign. And by foreign, we mean non-American, non-Hollywood films. Uh, when they do talk about war, it's explicitly anti-war. And it's actually kind of interesting that on a narrative level, they hardly ever follow how we need, know war films to be produced in Hollywood, which they're kind of mission based. They're kind of objective based because then the happy ending can be we completed the objective. We're heroes. We did it. There was sacrifice, but we completed the objective. Whereas most foreign war films that I've seen, and this is a great example with uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, is that, um, you know, even if they're given a mission, they're either failing at it or it gets taken away from it or we just see, see them in needless battle, you know. And it was, it was actually something to come kind of really interesting because to kind of what you guys both said, at least on a psychological level, when when Hollywood makes these stories, we we at least have the idea that like, well, they succeeded or they quote unquote won. And with these foreign films, it's almost always like this is senseless. There, what was the point to this? Um, there There is no point to it. Um, Come and see up until All Quiet on the Western Front was a great example of that. Um, added to the fact that there is like multiple sequences where you're just seeing the the quite frankly the absolute worst of humanity, um, and it makes it for a hard watch. Uh, so before you know we watch a trailer and start giving our reviews on this film, uh, the other last thing I wanted to say or wanted to ask you guys, and I'll preface this with this, is that. Have you guys been noticing that not just Hollywood, but like the global film industry as a whole has kind of been like looking into World War One for like cinematic outings? Have you guys noticed that or is that just me? Is that just something I'm catching? No, no, it's a it's a totally new trend. Um, You know, I mean, we we. For lack of a better choice of words, we did. World War Two to death. Um, we we've covered all of it. We've covered it from the Allied side. We've covered it from the Russian side. We've covered it from the German and the Japanese side, Atlantic Pacific, whatever. Uh, plenty of POW movies. Plenty of airmen movies. Um, a whole there's there's a whole category specifically for World War Two movies. I mean, we've made superhero um, movies out of World War Two. Yeah. Exactly that too. So I think you know, it, it World War One was probably a harder, harder sell because it it wasn't as, um, like World War Two was good guys versus bad guys, um, and World War One wasn't. It was it was supposed to be the war to end all wars, and uh, and you know, and and just like so much awful shit happened to these guys that I think it it took a while for Hollywood to be able to make uh films about the first world war accurately with like the special effects they needed to make it as well you know and I'll I'll give you the final thoughts on that say but just wanted to add like C and I used to joke all the all the time that up until what 1917 mm-hmm. the, the the film directed by Sam Mendes we would joke that is is the best modern movie about World War One really Wonder Woman? We did <laughs> we did joke about that because 
It definitely wasn't War Horse. <laughs> yeah, it definitely uh, wasn't. I know a better. I know a better War Woman movie, better than War uh, Wonder Woman that came out before Wonder Woman. Uh, it's uh, another foreign film, another German film, uh, called Joy Noel. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah! I know yeah. this story. I know this story. Diane, it's got Diane Kruger. It's got um, that one guy who's in this movie as well, and is also in the MCU. It's that guy. He's Daniel in it as Brule. well. Yes, he's in it. Um, and that one has British, French, and German actors and all their languages involved. So it's really good. Uh, what about what about you? What do you think about this trend of like now we're drawing from the World War One well to make movies? I, I think Jay really hit it on the head there. It's simply that we've done World War II was done to death. And alongside, and then after World War II, or almost on the same pace in certain ways, it was World War II and the war in Vietnam. Like, that's what was really done a lot. Um, that's, that's just all you saw because it was kind of like, okay, do you want to watch the movie? Speaking strictly from Hollywood, do you want to watch the movie that's going to be, again, the heroic, the hero's journey of war? Or do you want the critique on war? If you want the critique on war, it was, you got to do Vietnam. If you want the hero's journey of war, you got to do World War II. But I think you're, you're right. Uh, we're starting to see... Um, we're starting to see World War One be explored. It's because yeah, it's it's the morals behind it, the reasoning behind it, were so different. You know, World War Two, you have this one, you know, guy who decides that he wants to eliminate, you know, entire races and wants to conquer the world by himself. And look, there's nothing worse than the Nazis at the end of the day, but. The problem with World War Two is it was this very, it was this domino effect war that just kept getting worse and worse and worse because no one was willing to stop until the point of truly no return. Then they had to stay there for a while until the losses became so great. I actually will add that um, the advent of world war one changed so much in literature not just like war stories but like a good example is like because of world war one afterwards you can directly track this more murder mysteries came out and the reason why was because you had sort of this loss of innocence so to speak and it was just this collective understanding of that for the first time in literature it was so massive that the concept of a murderer you know trying to get away with it and this detective trying to do the right thing um you also see a lot of these murder mysteries take place in these rich european mansions but there are you know they have almost nothing left that happened because world war 1 turned a lot of wealthy families these wealthy huge mansions out in the countryside of of europe into desolate places with only one person left living in them and it's so fascinating to see that like world war 1 had that side effect to stories so i am happy that we're getting more exploration in it, so to speak. We're also getting a lot of immediate post-war movies, like the mess and aftermath of that. We're getting a few of those. And though the the 
them being good, how good they are is a little, you know, iffy. But the fact that they're going into that territory is very interesting. So uh, one thing I just thought of, I'm sorry to interrupt. One thing I just thought of, uh, you know, you also got to look at the Hollywood aspect of it. America was only in the war for less than a year. So like, as far as what we have to offer and what Hollywood want, can make and sell, like there's not a lot there. So, so definitely, you know, the international films are going to uh, have more on this than we do, definitely. But, you know, you just got to think, like, Hollywood's not, Hollywood's not apt to make uh, war movies about non-Americans. You know what I mean? That is, that is very true. I mean, Letters of Iwo Jima, I think one of, the, one of the selling points to it is that this is, not, this is from the perspective of the Japanese, which we hardly ever do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only time they've done it before was with Tora Tora Tora. And that was explicitly because like half of the film was financed by Japanese investors and the other half was financed by Francis Ford Coppola and uh, George Lucas, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Um, So all quite on the Western front. Uh, This is a film directed by Edward Berger, who is actually more of a television director. He actually did a lot of like American television uh, he di- directed three episodes of Your Honor, that show on Showtime starring, um, uh, oh, I am not Blake as the guy, you know, the Breaking Brian Bad guy. Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, yeah. Uh, I'm almost certain he did uh, some some episodes of, of HBO TV. I just can't remember. Oh, no, it wasn't HBO. It was uh, The Terror. He directed the mm-hmm. pilot for that. I don't know if you guys ever saw that one. So he had done some really small German movies, but he was mostly like a TV director in Hollywood. He is, he is by the way, German or Austrian, I should say. Um, the film stars newcomer Felix, Felix Kramer as Paul, uh, ve- veteran character actor. And by veteran, I mean he's like in his mid-30s, but he's been acting since he was like a kid. Uh, Albrecht Skunch uh, as the secondary character, Kaczynski. Uh, then we have Aaron Himmler as Krop. Moritz Klaus as Franz, Adrian Grunwald as Ludwig, Edwin Hasanovic as Chajin, Chajin, and obviously, as we've said before, Daniel Brühl as Matthias Erzwanger. He plays the, dip- the diplomat who's trying to end the war. Uh, th- this movie, this is actually really interesting. So the original writers of this particular adaptation of All Quiet on the Western Front was an editor from the Washington Post named Ian Stokel. And someone and this uh, relative newcomer named Leslie Patterson, they pretty much met while working at the Washington Post in the early 2000s. And they wrote this on spec. And no joke, for most of the early 2000s up until 2013, they were trying to get this thing produced in Hollywood. Uh, Directors like uh, Roger Donaldson, who you guys might directed The Bounty starring Mel Gibson. He also directed The November Man, if I'm not mistaken, uh, starring uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Uh, Mimi Hedder, for those that don't know, she directed Deep Impact. Uh, She was kind of like the Catherine Bigelow of the mid-90s when Catherine Bigelow wasn't making movies for a while. And never got made. And then they brought it over to Germany. Because Germany was like trying to get there, trying to kind of make like event movies with their industry. And they're like, hey, let's adapt one of the most famous pieces of, of German literature of all time. 
So they picked up their their screenplay, hired Edward Berger because they're like, you've worked in you've worked in American television, you know how to how to work with budgets that are bigger than most normal German films, and you know, you're German, so. <laughs> He rewrote their screenplay, and then finally it got released uh, in Germany. They made a deal with Netflix to do the international release, and here we are. So how's about we watch All Quiet on the Western Front, the trailer, and then we start giving our review. How's that sound? Sounds good. Yeah. Ich werde nicht kapitulieren. Meine Mutter wollte nicht, dass ich in Krieg ziehe. Ich wollte ihnen zeigen, dass ich das kann. Ach, Paul. Ja, wenn wir nach Hause kommen. Ich vermisse meine Kameraden! Schließen wir Frieden. Ich hab Angst vor dem, was kommt. Du musst jetzt tapfer sein. Für die, die es nicht geschafft haben. Für uns alle. That trailer hits different after having seen it. Yeah, it really does. I also want to add, this is the most expensive German film ever made. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What was they, the budget? Uh, that I, oh, I, I actually can find that for you. Uh, that budget on this was, oh, it's not on here. Interesting. <laughs> I wonder why. Everything else is. Why not this? Let me see. Da, 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 da. Yeah, they don't they don't have the the budget on here, uh, you know, because oh. I'm looking at the IMDb page and, you know, sometimes they sometimes they put it on there. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely uh, looked it looked it up uh, on the actual like official page. And it is the most expensive German film ever made. And yeah, they're. they're <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the products there, I, I will say. Um, and something else I will say is that uh, I know our listeners can't see like the, the text that's on the trailer, 
in big text, there's the word heart wrenching. And to me, that perfectly describes my experience watching this movie. It was heart wrenching. You know, when, when you when you start when you, you know, like like we alluded to earlier in our earlier episode, uh, we're officially in the post Oscar nominations. Uh, we know what they are, so we're starting. We're trying to catch up and watch them before the Oscars, and usually around this time is when we're like, okay, we're we got to start seeing the movies that are that are going to be sad, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's just say we've seen a couple of really depressing movies, and I really don't know which one, which one almost made me cry more, this or our what will be our following review, Women Talking, mm. and and. I, I just got to say, like, you know, and I say this from the bottom of my heart to our listeners, like the the rating I'm going to give this movie does not mean that if you're looking for a good time, watch this movie. It's going to be more like this is the quality of the filmmaking, the quality of the acting, the quality of the storytelling. Um, but straight up, like if you don't want to have a bad time, you might want to skip this because this this is a tough watch. This is to me, this was a really tough watch. Um, I'll explain why later, but I just I just felt like I had to say that. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I just for, on my own personal thing, like this was a really really tough watch, and I just want people to know that this might be a tough watch for you because this ain't this this ain't like this ain't the Kings man. This ain't Wonder Woman. This this is real. This is probably how the war was actually experienced, and that's not for the faint of heart. So, yeah, uh, Jay, what were what were your thoughts on the movie? Um, there there's an old saying: there's beauty in tragedy, and that is a hundred percent what this movie is. Is it's. It, every time I come here, I feel like I just brag about camera work and, and the cinematography and all, but the cinematography here is perfect. Um, it's very much uh, uh, sampled from Roger Deakins' work. Um, not just anything specific, but just all of his work. They they went Roger Deakins with this, and they made the right choices. Um, they moved the camera in the correct ways when they needed to move the camera. They gave us great natural B-roll stills of of the nature around uh no man's land it was it was incredible um just just they you know camera's perfect um i i really appreciate that they paid tribute to the original film in a couple ways um uh there's a scene in the trailer where they're all marching and you see them all lined up one by one after each other um and that is actually the order in which those characters die. And that is what they did in the original film. They did a shot like that in the original film in which they all walk through and in, in the order that they die. Um, there's also the uh, scene in No Man's Land where he's in the crater and he has that one-on-one fight with the French soldier and then he tries to save his life. That is also from the original film. So they they... They made something their own, but paid all their respect to the original content, which I really appreciate. That's that's the right way to do it. Um, and the other thing I really liked about this, uh, they they kind of did a circle of life thing. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but with the first soldier in the opening scene, 
his uniform goes to Paul. And then later on, uh, there's a there's a transferring of an item to a, a brand new soldier at the end. Kind of just like how like like these guys live and die here and yet the war and life still goes on around them. So it it it, it really puts in perspective just how meaningless these deaths are that all these men died for and how meaningless this war was cuz cuz historically like this war was just a result of everyone in an arms race and then they're like, okay we're we're, we're going to fuck around and find out let's throw down and they just technology had advanced so far that they couldn't do traditional battle anymore and they just didn't know how to deal with it and this is the result um and you know it's it's costumes are great the 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 general who's too stubborn to give up is perfect because that is exactly in line with how these journals felt um especially at this time because you know these were all traditional men who fought traditional battles who had also never experienced something like this before. So this is, you know, they, they really showed, again, to remind you guys, I watched this a day after rereading my great grandfather's diary. So this was just having read that and then having watched this, it was a total, uh, total experience for me. Um, my grand, uh, I'm just gonna call him his first name at the same time. Reese was his name. He talks about how like, he would go days without food or water, but then he would watch his superior officers have a have a delightful meal being served to them. And he talks about how uh, they they would get stuck in these craters for like a full day because they couldn't move because there's machine guns next to them and everything. Uh, there's one event where he talks about how they had to give covering fire just so uh, some of his men could go and get within 20 yards of the Germans to bury a guy because they just, they just needed to bury him. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the amount of bodies in this film is staggering. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think any film has done that since like gone with the wind. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful film. It's a tragic film. I think you guys already know where I'm going with this in the end, but yeah, I, I could go on. See any thought? What were your thoughts on the film? Would you like to give your thoughts first, Al? Sure. Uh, just something I wanted to add. Uh, uh, Jay, you mentioned the cinematography. So the cinematographer mm -hmm. of this film, his name is James friend or friend. James friend, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, up until All Quiet on the Western Front, his entire career has been television, made for TV movies, and straight to DVD movies. This is his like first wow. feature, like theatrical release project, and he got nominated for the goddamn Oscar. I mean, worth it. Like, and his his next pro so. it looks like he's the he's the main DP for the upcoming Star Wars show, The Acolyte. So um, I'm okay with that. 
He uh, did. He did these. He, he like I don't know if you guys like pay attention to some stuff I post on Instagram, but I'm a f- huge fan of dead tree silhouettes for whatever reason. <laughs> it just it just works, and he did that here, and it and it 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 spoke to me, and it caught my attention. I so, love what he did. So. In regards to cinemato- in James Friend's cinematography, uh, Jay, you mentioned how he was inspired by Roger Deakins, but I-, I see the Roger Deakins influence, but I also see the Chivo Lubetsky influence, especially the work Chivo's done with uh, Terrence Malick. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the some of the lens selection, especially during that during that moment in time where they were staying like at a at like some stables, like in the middle of the woods. That just remind like that wide angle lens selection just reminded me of like all the all the Terrence Malick movies he's made since um oh what's it called uh, uh the one with Pocahontas the New World oh yeah and he, even the Revenant the one that the Chivo DP'd for uh, for Alejandro González y Naritu so that type of selection it, it, I I I can't put into words but. You guys have seen these movies, the ones he's done with Malik, the ones he's done with Inaritu, and like the wide angle lens seems to capture this beauty and this cleanness of light in such a way that it just it just makes you feel good. You're like, oh my god, this is so beautiful. Also and very then, natural. Yes, it looks so naturalistic. And then you combine it with just the horrors of war, and it goes from, oh, this is so beautiful to like this is really, really depressing. I, 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 I gotta be honest with you guys. Uh, this movie, as I was watching it, it just, it, listen, I, you know, when you, when you see things on the screen, they, they, it's meant to give you a reaction, a visceral reaction. And I think for me, what made it was the fact that like, there is no mission. There is no, there's no heightened sense of genre. It's just literally from the first frame, you just see the slaughter of these poor boys. And that just sets you up for that mindset and that emotional toll you're going to be feeling when you watch this. And like I say again, it's it's not a great time. Like Jay, you've mentioned it's a tragedy, but imagine just the technical brilliance you have to have, the acting prowess you have to show in order to make all these things work together in such a way to get that reaction out of you. And again, this is a director whose most of his work has been television. These writers, this was the first thing they've written. And you know, the other, the last co-writer, he's the director. This is the DP's first like big project. A lot of these actors with the exception of Albrecht Sklutch and uh, Daniel Brohl, they're they're all relative newcomers to this. Felix Kramer, the lead, this is his first project. And you just it's just excellence upon excellence upon excellence over what you're seeing. You know, um, I, I, I've worked with some Germans before and I have a German friend who always says, you know, the Germans are are everything. The Germans are always very um, up upfront and forthright over what they're trying to do. And this German film, the point, the point of the original novel was to show you the horrors of war. And boy, did this film get that across in the most compelling way possible. Like 
like Germany, Germany should be proud of of the of the film they they have representing them in the Oscars. It's it, it it's a try. It really like I, it's so cliche to say, but this really is a triumph. You know, this is a country that's really trying to get back like on the world stage in terms of their film industry, and they've they they announced themselves with a literal bang. Um, yeah. Like, uh, th there's so many well-done things here. The cinematography is excellent. The direction is compelling. Felix Kramer, like, he does, he, like, I hope Hollywood notices this guy. The things he had to do with either saying very little or just with the way he moves, the way his face moves, like, and this is his first project? This, this guy is a talent. This guy's a talent that needs to be noticed. And this other guy, uh, this other actor, the 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 supporting character, uh, Albert Search, who played uh, Kaczynski. As I was watching this film, I kept thinking to myself, why wasn't he nominated for Best Supporting Actor? I get, I know that the acting categories are always biased against foreign foreign actors and actresses, but this is a crime that he's not nominated. This is one of the best performances I've seen of all year. This is a guy who. You know, he's only like in his mid thirties and he's already experienced a level of horrors of war that he has the energy of an old man who just wishes he wasn't alive anymore. Do you know like how layered that performance is? And this is a guy like, it looks like all he's done is, it seems like he's Germany's answer to Sam Rockwell. And, <laughs> and honestly, I was like, I was like, well, this guy, he didn't get nominated, which he should have, but he should, he's probably getting a lot of calls from his agent saying like, oh yeah, uh, Hollywood's calling. They want you for a ton of stuff. They want you for a Netflix series. They want you to be a character on a James Bond movie. They want you to be a bad guy in the MCU. They want you to be a superhero in the DCU. Like, yeah, it just, uh it's weird. It, I mean, it's happened before. I mean, C, C can tell you. But when I watch a movie where at the end I went to my girlfriend and I said, well, I feel defeated. You guys remember that scene in Parks and Rec where where Andy just goes like, 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 I'm tired all the time. I'm not eating anymore. All my hobbies bore me. Mm -hmm. That was me after this movie. And then my girlfriend goes, so you didn't like it? And I said, no, I absolutely adore it. It's it's probably one of the best modern war movies like in the past 25 years, honestly. And I'm not surprised it wasn't made in Hollywood because Hollywood don't make shit like this. And not that I'm calling it shit. I'm just saying they, they don't, they don't, they really don't try to tell stories like that. So yeah, I, I think this is an excellent film. I, th I think, you know, I, I, I think like this, this is a film that like, certain scenes can be shown to history students to be like this this is kind of how it was like in in the in the trenches and something i love that the film really drives down the fact that trench warfare pretty much meant that the only thing that was gained was like maybe a couple hundred feet of ground that was promptly lost like after a couple hours i think the fact that this film really drives home the point that Trent Warfare just kind of made everything useless and pointless. I thought it was a very, very good, like, thematic element of, of the film. Um, I, I have some more stuff to say, but see, I've, I've talked long enough. Give me your thoughts on the film. 
So, you guys have spoken to what a beautiful, depressing masterpiece this is. And I have to fully acknowledge that it is... On a technical level and on a thematic level, the film absolutely works, without a doubt. Um, I see a lot of the inspiration the director took from many other war movies. And I was kind of just, while I'm watching the movie, my mind kept going to the many different war movies that... uh, Jay and I had watched over the, honestly, a few years. And, you know, over time in a lot of these movies, which we've kind of alluded to, you pick up on patterns, so to speak. You see, you know, okay, this is, this is this kind of movie or that kind of movie, or we're going to, this is the moment when, the hero does this, or this is the moment when they realize that this war was for nothing. It's You start to pick up on these little things. And what I like is that this is a mainstream, big-budget movie on the, ho- on the true horrors of war with no redeeming quality, which is exceedingly rare. Like, even the ones, like... Even Saving Private Ryan, which I know is that's sort of the go-to for a lot of people. I understand why. It has horrific moments, but at the end of the day, it is about the good of it all. And there's nothing wrong with that movie. That movie works exactly the way it was made. Um, but I think one thing this movie gets that you don't see in a lot of mainstream movies about the war is the desperation of it all these by the end of it it's hard to say they were even soldiers i mean yes literally they were but they were almost beaten animals by the end of it and in particular one element this movie really captures well which there's only a one other war movie that's captured this remotely and To say it's a war movie is admittedly a stretch, but one thing this movie really captures, and I was talking about this with Jay, is the hunger the soldiers felt. And he brought this up about how, you know, in the in the journal he's read, you know, he'd watch his higher commanding officers watch eating this shockingly lavish meal while they hadn't eaten for days. And the fact that this movie genuinely took time took chunks of its runtime for to focus on them trying to find their next meal is such an incredible choice and one that you realize the book felt was very important and so did the original movie but that's only because of a famous scene where they eat more because the other soldiers died. And interestingly, they do include that, but they subvert it in a really cool way. But the, the scene that really hit me the most is when they finally entered the French trenches. They get there and they see this abandoned table of partially eaten food. 
and they almost all gather around it as if they're trying to find out they're trying to give each other permission to eat it which was like fat and you could see that in their eyes too they're like can we do this can we do this and then they all get around and even though you hear screams and cries and like different gunshots being fired they take a moment to just eat food and it's such a visceral scene now it's not grotesque it's not gratuitous it's genuinely it that scene was such the epitome of hunger and it was so fascinating to watch so and there's other there's other moments too that focus on trying to get food or things like that but what what i liked about that was how they they showed the it was such a good analogy for how unnecessary this war was. Like, it showed what is necessary. You know, survival is necessary. Eating is necessary. This is not. Um, and I, th- I just think throughout the whole movie, that's the part that really struck me. Yes, there are really beautiful moments and very, very sad moments. I think for me... Maybe it's because I've been, I've been, you know, we, I've been see, I've seen so many war movies. I think for me, I can find a moment in another, that I can find that moment in another war movie. So I think I found that to be slightly less effective in certain ways. But the sheer fact that they did find something different, they did find a unique perspective during a truly not talk, a not um, about a war that's really not depicted a lot in film really touched me deeply. So yeah, I think that's just, that's really what got me about this movie without a doubt. Something, something that I thought was an interesting touch. So, um, it, it, so like I said earlier in the book, there's a section where the soldiers go on leave and you know, it's kind of, that's kind of really drives home how they're not the same people anymore. That, that's kind of the part of the book. It's actually a very famous part of the book where it really showed like, oh, they're not they're not the same young kids who left. Uh, in this one, this this adaptation does not have that. Instead, they replaced it with an original subplot, which is the attempts for Germany to call an armistice and to pretty much surrender and end the war. And this is kind of the subplot that's led by Daniel Brühl. He plays this German diplomat, Matthias Erzberger, who was a prominent social dem- of the social democrat uh, political party in Germany and i i totally saw the intention of why this this subplot was included because from it, Paul's Paul and Katzinski's story is very much literally boots on the ground up close front and personal we have no we we have no birds eye view of what the situation is from their vantage point so we so this subplot is there in order for us to understand okay this is what's happening these are what are the stakes this is this is why this exists you know what what i really appreciated from that subplot that i think cuz a lot of people will say oh the the most compelling parts were the battle scenes were the scenes with the soldiers the the daniel bro subplot was kind of useless and i disagree i i actually i and i'm taking a moment to 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 bring this up what I really appreciated was you really saw the desperation of the 
German government to want to end the war. Those scenes, like if you collect them by itself, would make make a really to me would have made a really compelling short film of like the stakes of wanting to end it and that every minute that was lost was more and more people dying, you know. And then at, like this isn't a spoiler, folks. We I, I think everybody knows how World War One ended and the climax of that entire subplot is when they're confronted with French high command and the French basically tell them if we're not doing an armistice, you're going to surrender and you're going to surrender to the worst possible terms imaginable. And when we do that, when, when you, we give you these terms, you're going to, you're going to sign it and you're going to like it. It's pretty much a, a proverbial, we're going to fuck you in the ass when you're going to like it. And to me, that element was very compelling because you saw, you saw the, the desperation of these people wanting to either, do we, do we surrender to, do we surrender to these terms that's going to completely destroy our nation? Or do we try to get the French to listen to reason? And Ultimately, we all know what happened. World War One, the surrendering terms was a crapshoot and it led to eventually what would become the Second World War. So even when we get a quote unquote the happy or the ending that they wanted, which is no more fighting, it's still tainted by that looming shadow of like, this is gonna screw our country and I we it's gonna lead us down a dark path. So even in that the movie wants to depress you. So I you know, I just felt like I had to say something because I've been seeing a lot of talk about this movie and everyone always says, oh, the, the political part was the weakest part of the movie. And listen, I'm not saying it's the strongest part, but it was a really compelling part that I th thought made for a very, a much more complete experience. Uh, I don't know. Jay, do you have any more thoughts? Oh, I mean, to, to follow along with that, that, that also like, like tacks on with what the general was doing at the same time. Like he's, he's bitching about surrendering and everything. And they've, they already signed the, the ceasefire and have planned to end the war. And he's like, no, fuck this. We're going to go attack them again and get all the glory. And, and which was selfish and stupid. Um, psychotic. And yeah, psychotic really. Yeah. And it was just such a mind blowing scene to watch when they reached the 11th hour and they call off the war and they say it's over. It's 11 o'clock. The war is over and you see these German soldiers and these French soldiers who were just killing each other stop and they're just like walking around no man's land picking up their dead. And it was it was such a crazy sight and a crazy scene that they did. Um no, I think I think the uh the negotiations were really important to to show. Um my one my one critique about that part was when the the French general uh, s slaps back at uh, the German minister. I was like, you, you want to talk about fair? Like, like I think he should have monologued there and just just called the Germans out on all their bullshit right there. <laughs> like, I think that could have been a bigger moment, but it's still effective. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can we can get to the. The history of it all we can get to the uh any part of that um i think i think the three storylines fit very 
very well together with the soldiers, the general, and the government uh, all on their own path. And all, uh, you know, what the government does trickles down to what the general does, trickles down to what the soldiers do. And ultimately, it's the soldiers who pay the price. And I think I think it's a, it's a solid storyline. And it's also, like, at the same time, it's a good way to break up such a tragic film. Yeah. With all that crap. It's such a great way because a movie's got to be a roller pusher. You got to go up, you got to go down, you got to go up again. Like, like you can't just, you can't just slap your audience in the face uh, for two hours. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, some, something I wanted to add about the, the French general, the, the general Foch was his name. The actor who played, did you guys ever see the, the Timothy Chalamet movie, the King that's also on Netflix? I have not. Yes, great movie. Great war movie. Yeah, yeah. He plays the crazy French king, uh, Robert Pattinson's dad in that. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, I remember he was a scene stealer in that movie for me. So when I see him in this, I'm like, oh, my God, is that the, is that the French king? Uh, see, he was the character who played the, the little kid king in, uh, in The Last Duel. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so, so hey, apparently he's like a famous like character actor in France, and and yeah, like I, I know I, I know Jay, you you wanted him to monologue, but I thought his like just like his body performance in that scene said all that needed to be said. Like the way he puffed, solid, yeah, the way he puffed up his chest to uh, to Daniel Brühl, I was. Like, I think oh, would have helped. I think would have helped as far as context for the audience to like because the Germans were the ones who created. Uh, chemical gas warfare, you know, yeah. and, and yeah, everything, true. and and they were the ones who kind of more or less started the war and and had a lot of the innovations that made it worse, and, and the French had to catch up. Um, also, just just a quick note: I love the small little tidbit about the croissants. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> how <laughs> very how very French of them. Yes, yeah. yes, that was very yes, funny. Yes. That was like. That was like there were like these little sprinklings of light moments in the film that to me, I felt like I was like Sonic the Hedgehog in the underwater levels where I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Oh, this bubble of air. I need this because, you know, there's only so much dark subject matter you can take before you're like, I just need to I need some laughter in order to breathe because my heart is breaking so much. Uh, See, anything else you want to add? Any any performances that you especially loved or anything else about the movie that we haven't talked about that you'd like to point out? Um, I think, hmm. I know I've been more quiet this episode about this movie, and I think that's simply because I genuinely respect what this movie did, and I think I appreciate it so much. I think my, I've been trying to figure out why I've been a little less enthusiastic, and I'm, I'm pretty close to why. This movie has is truly amazing. It's truly a work of art. I think for me, I see I see so many of the references. I see so many of the inspirational moments, and I appreciate it. I I think it's admirable what he did, and I think it's fantastic. But I think this is just one of those movies where I couldn't stop seeing how the sausage was made for the movie so to speak. So I think that made it, you know, I, you know what it was? 
It's as if it's as if I was reading a book and it was covered with footnotes. Like there was a page of footnotes in there. And I think I think that's sort of what put me away from it, but I'm also trying to be objective in the fact that well, you know, most people haven't sat down and watched a bunch of war movies. Like from that end, this is a brilliant movie. So I think that's sort of the balance I'm trying to take is it's like I see I've I've almost seen too much and like I ha- I'm trying to allow myself to realize that that doesn't that's not this movie's fault so to speak and that this movie still has a lot to offer and it and I'm glad the academy has recognized it to be clear I I I agree with you see I saw a lot of the references in this movie but for me at least what what kind of still drew me into the narrative was the simple fact that like Felix Kramer and Albrecht Scutch as the two leads, they're just they were just so compelling that even when I was like I I was like oh I I've seen that shot this type of shot here I've seen this type of shot done in a Terrence Malick movie I've seen this I've seen that I've seen that but then I'm like man Paul and Kaczynski they're they're going through the ringer they're hungry they're tired they they just want to be with their girlfriend's wife respectively they just they just want to be out of here and that those performances to me were so magnetic that mm. even when i was like oh I, I i i've seen this type of lighting lighting setup before i'm like oh but what what's paul trying to do what's what's paul like i just kept going to like what's paul trying to do right and then the ending like the ending broke me so hard because it's <laughs> and you know at first i thought this would be a critique but then i realized like no that was the point like when I finished watching this movie, I, I said to myself, the ending is needlessly cruel. Like, 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 th- like, cause in the ending in the book is significant. I mean, it still ends kind of the same way, but this one just ramps it up to 10 where it's like, you think, Oh, they changed the ending to something a little lighter. And then instead you're like, that's just cruel. That that's just overtly cruel. And then like I, I, some days I sat on it and I was like, Oh no, no, no. That's the point. That, that that that's this is a tragedy and they wanted the tragedy to really pack a wallop and and I, I respect the movie for doing that and that was that was one thing I, I I have to give the movie credit for that was original to it to the vision of Edward Berger was like I you you know this story you know how it's supposed to end but where any chance I get like even when I'm when I'm homaging these other films, or or maybe even some can, if if I want to be unsympathetic and say stealing from these other films, I'm gonna make it pack even a bigger wallet than you got from those films, and but never to the point of parody to to making it cartoonish, but pack a wallop of like no 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 this wouldn't have been a heroic moment, this would have been a moment of fear, a moment of hopelessness, a moment of genuine terror. And I, I got I got to respect the movie for doing that. It it made me very sad, but I got to respect the movie for doing that. And something else I, I'd want to add, and then you guys give your final thoughts, and we'll we'll give our review, or each our own ratings. Mm-hmm. I I gotta say, this is the only movie of 2022, with the exception of Top Gun Maverick, where I actually really like the score or like I really noticed the score 
like like i was humming the score after i saw the movie i know i know it, it seems like i'm talking about how this movie like really ruined my day and then i go like oh and i hummed the score i, I don't know well what did you guys think of the score because folks they don't really play the score in the trailer it's it's a mix of like string instruments and like edm bass and to me it worked really well that was the one thing that people were like mentioning like on social media is like it's like a war movie with edm bass what but i thought it worked really really well i don't know what did you guys think so if i can jump in on that real quick i actually do like when historic when usually let me say i usually like when when a period piece or a historic a movie that doesn't take place in the present day gets bold and uses music that isn't maybe 100% of the time. Uh, A great example, and this isn't a movie, this is a show. But guys, if you want to see... How do I put this? Okay, there's this show called The Nick. And um, basically it's about turn of the century, you know... um, Industrial Revolution surgeons, basically, really, tr- really going on the edge of what is possible and what they've discovered with with new technique techniques in surgery. It's very good, but the whole score is very synthy, like literally, it's like a synth, mm. and you don't think it works. And actually, I know some people who genuinely thought it took them out of it. But in that case, it brought me further in because you got into the headspace of the characters. And in this, I think it's the same thing. Yeah, but instead I totally of us, agree. But totally instead agree. of one person, it's, oh, you get into the headspace of the literal soldiers that are there. It is a unifying single, a unifying single hum that they feel. The pre- it was representative of the pressure they feel. And so that absolutely worked. Jay, what do you think? Oh, I can talk now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. Jay. Yeah. So I'm actually going to tie in the last two things you guys were talking about because you guys were talking for so long, I kind of forgot I, where I was. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. So so you're talking about, you're talking about like sampling and, and taking from other films. You, you got to remember, one, there are tropes that are expected to be done in a war film. Uh, just as there are tropes expected to be done in comedies and tropes that are expected to be done in horror films. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are tropes and there are things you have to do in order for your war film to war film to work. At the same time, we have to remember that this is, this guy's a first-time director, first-time big-picture director, and and he's he did his research. He he saw these things that he liked and he put it in his own film, and, and really, that's what filmmakers are supposed to do. Um, in the end of things, like, like just because it's not an original idea doesn't mean it's not effective. Um, and, and, and at the same time, they fall within the rules of what you have to do with your war film, which brings me to the soundtrack, which I, I loved as well. I thought it was great. And, and it's the one thing he had that he was allowed to break the rules on. Um, and, and that was his own way of being his own original creative self. It's like, let's let's not have traditional, you know, nineteen fifteen orchestral music playing. Let's do our own thing and let's uh, make it more about the moment. Um, 
and and it lets him break the rules there and lets him add his own personal touch to it, which I I really like. But overall, like you have the tropes, you have what you need to put in your film, but you have also your own touch on it, and it's a good it's a good mix. Anything else you want to add, Jay? Um, I don't know what else I could add. Um, what do you think of the? Was there any performance that stuck out to you? Was there any battle that you were like, "This, this is, this is hardcore"? Anything? Uh, the two. Uh, Paul and the other guy he steals the goose. Kaczynski. With. Kaczynski. Yeah. Um, those are soft performances. Um, the actual, there wasn't like the battles were all great. Um, the flamethrower was brutal. I mean, oh, fucking yeah. Christ. Oh, yeah. Um, but the one, the one death that got me was the fork. Um, uh, uh, when they're in that scene and the guy takes the fork to himself and, and while they're trying to stop him and, and figure out what's going on, the other soldier comes and and steals his food. And it was just, it was just, downright just explains the entire war in yeah. just a single moment. Um, and, oh, that was, that was brutal. That was, that was, that's one of the ones that stuck out to me. Um, and then, you know, back to, back to, you know, on, on, Paul's acting, you know, his facial expression at the end after the general gives the order for one more battle is so great. It's and he's there and he's 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 already being an older brother to that young recruit who's like 14 years old and and showing him where to go and everything. And and then he just he just kind of knows his fate when he hears those orders. He's just like, fine. Um, and. Yeah, I, I don't want to say too much because I could go on, um, but yeah, that, I'll, I'll wrap it up there. One See, thing I'll final add. Thoughts. One uh, before final thoughts that final thoughts that aren't my review, or my final summary of the review is I'll add that I've just noticed in this episode that all of us have at least one non-fighting or non-war specific scene that we absolutely loved, whatever it was. And that does show the strength of this movie and the strength of a director for a first-time film. We all have at least one where it's like, oh my God, this was such a great summer. Because I think Jay and I both said there was a scene, there were two very different scenes, but they were scenes that we felt were both, both such a great summary of what was going on and what these soldiers were going through. And Al, you talked about how you had your own moments that you really thought were so necessary and that you actually disagreed with much of the status quo that other people are saying. So whenever you have these big epics, more often than not, the real strength or the thing that sets the, the real one, the, the great ones apart are the ones that, the, that get the intimate scenes right. Because at the end of the day, I'm not saying anybody can shoot something in a trench or, you know, with a giant, you know, a huge, a bunch of soldiers coming together. But, you know, it's, you expect that to do a certain way and everyone's going to be enthralled by that and that's wonderful. But to get the little things right, that's, that's truly remarkable. 
Quick question, Al, before you give your final thoughts. Uh, the French soldier at the end that doesn't kill Paul, that was that was the one he spared early, earlier on, right? Because he thought it looked like his friend. Uh, was that, that was I, the I, same Frenchie, right? I, I want to say yes, but, I, but I'm not sure. Honestly, and I think this is intentional. Um, I was I was reading some some uh, Reddit threads that were talking about that very same thing, and uh, they they couldn't find out because a lot of the extras don't aren't differentiated. They're like extra one or Frenchman one, Frenchman two, et cetera, et cetera. But mm. I think that was the point was that was at this point they all kind of look the same, you know. Uh, th- I right. thought it was I was really it was really interesting that. You know the the French soldiers like they're they're the way they're they're covered in mud and the way they wear their hats like you can't really differentiate themselves. I think it's because like the fog of war, who is who? The only French soldier that is really there are only two French soldiers that are really like clearly shown to be individuals. One is a commanding officer in the final battle, uh, mm-hmm. just to kind of show you the analog of like the commanding officer in the German side. And the other is this this uh, French soldier that Paul fights like in a in a puddle, in the crater. Um, yeah, and and there's very specific reasons why those are shown as individuals. There's psychological reasons and narrative reasons. So I I couldn't tell you, but it is very intentional to kind of give you that idea whether they are the exact person or not. The film very intentionally makes it ambiguous. I that, that that's the way I re- I'm reading it. I I don't know if if that satisfies your question. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So my, my, my final thoughts before we go on to give our ratings, listen, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect movie. This movie does have some, some flaws, but there, you know, I think most people agree, or at least most, like most, how do I put this? Most, most people who've commented on the movie online, it seems to be that like the movie can be a little too long. Some people might feel the length. I definitely did, but that was because it was putting me in a headspace that everything just made me want things to go faster. Um, that being said, this is this really is one of the most compelling movies of 2022, um, and I'm I'm really I'm really mad that I kept putting it off just because I was like, yeah, I tried watching the original and I've I've read parts of the book. I, I get the gist, uh, and you know I, I'm sure everyone always has that one like oscar nominated film that you're like oh uh, i guess i'll watch it and then when you watch it you're like holy crap i wish i'd seen this when they had like a wide release or when there was a chance to see it in theaters and that's kind of how i feel about this um listen german cinema is is making a comeback that like germany funded this movie because they want their film industry to 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 stand up to the 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 blossoming film industry in Asia and the, the behemoth that is Hollywood, you know, uh, they want that. When you think of European cinema, you, you first and foremost think of German cinema and I, they succeeded. They succeeded. They, this is compelling, compelling drama. This is a very well done anti-war film. And like, yeah, I, I gotta say the the things that the 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 German film industry wanted to do they've they've done so. Jay, since you're our guest, give us your rating. Yeah, and and you gotta think real quick. If it weren't for uh, a certain uh, political party in World War II, where would German cinema be 
today if that hadn't happened like like because hmm. because before before uh the nazi party they were hollywood um yeah so you just got to think like if that hadn't happened where would where would german cinema be today yeah that um, and the the division of germany to east and west yeah exactly yeah um we'd be saying <laughs> berlin would i don't know or something mm. like that <laughs> I, that was partially a joke, but partially not. They would be, they would have easily. I think Jay makes a good point. It would have easily been the epicenter for film. At the, yeah, if, no, because because yeah. right before the war got really, or the the Nazis were really clamping down on on civil liberties, a bunch of filmmakers from from Berlin left and came to Hollywood. Yeah, they were like, time to get yeah. the fuck out. But also, also like the Nazis made some pretty good documentaries. You know, like like. They have they have all that footage because they had all the infrastructure there to shoot that footage. That's yeah. true. That's very true. It's yeah. why they're it's why they're uh, last thing I'll say is they it's why the Nazis famously had really powerful propaganda was because as yeah. they had all the technology already. They had it. Our mm-hmm. our our studios studied their propaganda films in order how to learn to make allied propaganda films. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. Jay, uh, what's your uh What's your rating for All Quiet on the Western Front? Uh, so I really thought about this uh, this week since I watched it. Um, really, like, I really tried to find a reason to to knock it down a level or two, and I couldn't. Um, I, I thoroughly appreciated this film. Uh every aspect of it, you know, you said earlier, like there's no such thing as a perfect film. And, and that's certainly still true, but this is still a pretty solid piece of work. So for me, it's going to get a fucks because I mean, it's just a first time director, first time DP, first time actor. And this is what they made. Like, holy shit. That's pretty good. Uh, So it's a fucks for me. See, Everything Jay said is correct, but I have to give it a flush for now, simply because I can't get the references all out of my head. Is that my own fault? Possibly, but I also can't yes. deny. Uh, hey, the, you, <laughs> like, let me let cut, let's see have his time. Uh, <laughs> basically, it's where I am with it at the moment. I still fully recognize its ability. Um, but I also think what I keep coming back to, and Jay actually, Jay and I actually talked about this separately, is I, I think about, you know, the other, the few World War I movies that have come out. And for me, the, of the ones that I can think of, this is, I, I, have, I, have, I have one I like more. So... Because of that, I have to give this a flush. It is a dark, deep, brooding flush with many layers, but I have to give it a flush. I'm going to get straight to the point. This is fucked trench warfare. Um, everything Jay said, everything C has said, this, yeah, this is on every technical and narrative level. This is an excellent picture. It really is. Um, but I, I have to say the brutality, the, the brutality, the unflinching look at the cynical situation that is warfare, uh, 
the the sometimes elements of inhumanity that you see in this in this film it's just it makes it it, it makes it a very challenging viewing experience it really does uh to all my very close personal friends like that aren't cinephiles this is not a film i could say like yeah go watch it because it's it, it's it's going to leave them in a headspace that's that's really intense you know um that being said it that it is, you know, it. That's exactly what it set out to do, and it succeeded. Um, listen, I'm really interested to see what Ed, Edward Berger does next, because hey, there's no bigger, there's no bigger like coming out party in Hollywood than getting like your first big project nominated for a really big uh, category in the Oscars. Felix Kramer and Albrecht Such, I really hope they start getting Hollywood offers because I, you know, say what you will about Hollywood, but they still have the biggest reach of an audience of a global audience. And I just, I just really want the world to appreciate these acting talents that Germany has been hiding from us. Um, yeah. James friend is going to be a DP. I'm going to have my eye on because wow, this guy has talent. This guy has a lot, a lot of talent. And um, then the the score, uh, I think, was also written by this relative newcomer, Volker Bertelman. Um, yeah, he seems to have only have done. Uh, da, 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 he seems to have only have done like, yeah, he's only done German movies. And uh, again, the Showtime series, Your Honor. <laughs> um, oh, he also. Did uh, Ammonite, <laughs> the, oh, the, God. The, the, okay. the Kate Winslet movie with Saoirse Ronan. Uh, well, there you but, go. But this guy, this guy, like, again, Volker Bergman can at least say, like, oh, I, I, he composed probably my, is it my favorite score of 2022? It might be. Oh, God. Oh, God. What does that say about me that I like something that dark? Do oh, he also sure. did Lion. He also did Lion. Oh no, yeah, this guy, this guy, this guy's a talent. Lion had an amazing score. I love this guy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is fucked trench warfare. Uh, if you want to, it, folks who listen to me and trust my judgment, you know that if you want to see something compelling, this is some of the most compelling cinema you're going to see of 2022. But I'm not going to lie to you and say that you're going to be having a smile for the rest of the day after you watch this. It's just. And I think that has a lot to do with that. That ending is such a gut punch, such a gut punch that, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> what else can be said? Uh, so, yeah. yeah if, it, if and when you watch this, make sure it's the last thing you do for the day. Oh, yeah. You're going to yeah. want, you're gonna want yeah. personal time after. Yeah, yeah. Like, like if, if anything else, like, Watch like an episode of The Office after this. You got to watch something to to make you smile. Cause no, not... no, wait till the next day. You would need to allow yourself to process yeah. this. Okay. Next day, yeah, feel free, whatever you want. Yeah. But give yourself. I actually like what Jay said there. It needs to be the last thing you do. You sleep on it. You let it marinate, so to speak. You let your you let your brain process it, and then next day, yeah, if you want something to just bring your mood back up, go ahead the next day. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so this has been the 2022 German film that's also nominee for Best International Feature, All Quiet on the Western Front. This has been What Do You Think, I'm Al. I'm C. Jay? Jay. Jay. And I'm Jay. <laughs>
Okay. All right. All right. What'd you do, Jay? What'd you do? What'd you do? No, like you guys, you guys never, never include me in on the on the outro. You guys yeah. always say it for me. Thought I was gonna let you say it for me. Oh, oh he's right. No. He's right. He's we're right. Assholes. We God are assholes. Damn. This is God. and this has been our guest guest uh, host. Or no, our our war movie correspondent <laughs> Jay. Uh yes. Hey. Bye. <laughs> Bye everybody. Good night everyone.